Come on in. I'm Lainey. And I'm Laura Beth. And we are Steel Magnolias. Two sisters who love family, traditions, and all things Southern. We've got plenty of room at our table, so pull up a chair. Hey, Lainey. Hi, Laura Beth. What a Southern afternoon we're already having. I know. Laura Beth brought me some beautiful peonies from her yard to share. And she walked in, and I was making us mint juleps. I know. Favor for favor. That's right. We just exchanged well right there. So sweet. Well, we'll be talking a little later as to why we're exactly drinking mint juleps this week. Yeah, Because it is apropos. That's right. Given the first weekend in May. But we, um, you know what? We had a viewer, or a listener, I should say. We don't have any viewers. viewers. (laughs) Nobody can see us. They can only uh, hear us. That mentioned an article that I thought was really interesting. So thank you, Lynn. Uh, She shared an article from an NPR story that we wanted to talk about. It was called Saving the Story of Grits, a Dish Born of Poverty, Now on Fine Dining Menus. So we're talking the food grits, not the acronym Girls Raised in the South. Oh, my goodness. I totally (laughs) forgot about those T-shirts. You you see shirts and things that say grits, Girls Raised in the South. Are they still around, or is that... Has that group moved on, or I don't is that know, but a pair of our listeners, Eve Sarah? Shout out! Whoop whoop! She's in a group called the Grits. Okay, and they are a group of I don't know. I want to say there's twenty ish of them who've gathered for a long time. Being wow! Friendship, just community. Southern girls. Huh? Yes, that's awesome. So, Ooh, well, if anybody's got a Grits T-shirt laying around, <laughs> model it for us. That's I, right. I, I had forgotten about that. those. So you mentioned it just now. But we're talking food today. Food groups. And just to make sure that this was a topic that was relevant and that people might want to hear about, I did do a poll on our Facebook page and asked just blanket question, didn't give specifics, do you like grits? I didn't say what kind of grits. I didn't say how cooked in a how certain way. How were they made? I just, just asked yes or no, do you like them? And 85% of you said that you do like grits. And another handful of you said yes to shrimp and grits. Okay. So, um, so we're not sure if that's the grits or we, the shrimp. We but. have a majority rule on grits. And so we just thought it would be fun to dive into this. The article itself, like I said, it's an NPR story. You can look it up. Saving the Story of Grits, and then I'll share in their show notes. It's a pretty interesting article. It I was, was. glad Lynn sent that. Yeah. It, um, it talked to, the, the writer talks to a food writer named Aaron Murray, who has a book out called Grits, A Cultural and Culinary Journey Through the South. And she mentions talking to people about grits, that it starts opening up conversations about bigger things. Mm-hmm. And she, the writer, Murray, she had just moved to the South, and it seemed like the people who were reviving grits as a food didn't really match its origins. Okay. Origins meaning more of a impoverished people yeah. group. Mm-hmm. So we just thought, let's just, let's, let's start from square one, yeah. talk about um, just the lay of the land on grits. Because Sean Brock in the article, he says... Who's a James Beard award-winning yes. Southern chef. Um, founder of Husk. Uh-huh, that's in McCrady's in Charleston. Exactly. 
um, and onto his own new projects that we're excited Excited about about here in Nashville. He says that grits take on the flavor of where they're grown. So, which I would say all things do. Like yes. that are growing from the ground. Right. Like what is yeah. soil. Soil yeah. matters. The soil matters. What's in the air matters. All of that. Yeah. So, and the process of, yeah. But I would say, even in thinking through this, as you just were saying, you know, it's it's kind of a poor man's food. It is. Think about um, almost, well, almost all things that are like a porridge. That's exactly what I was about to say. It's like the porridge of Southerners, right? Yeah, it, it, it is that. Yeah. And so our mom would be in the group that says, I don't really like grits. Well, I'd be willing to bet she probably had like instant grits really often. Yes. So she says no to that. But I think it's a whole different ball game if you're talking about a really nice corn that's been stone ground, like from a fresh from a mill. Yeah. It would be like comparing, okay, I've had Wonder Bread and I don't like bread. Well, have you ever had fresh bread? That is like, so that's good. Completely different thing. Yeah. It's not gummy. It's you know, so yeah. so it's almost not fair if you've only had like a that's cheap really poor version versus Yeah. Of anything. Yeah. So grits Probably, or uh, the research I did, you know, went by a different name when it was first introduced to English um, immigrants that were coming here and meeting indigenous people. Uh The indigenous people that were living here were grinding up this corn and... That's what they were primarily eating. So it's a good staple food in the South. So when we talk grits, we're talking about a food that is a dish of ground up cornmeal, corn, you know, it's ground down. Um, we think, because <laughs> we're not the experts, we think there's four types of grits. Stone ground. Yes. Regular or quick, quick. sometimes referred to. And then also thirdly, instant. instant. Which are like de- cooked and dehydrated in packet kind of a thing, like really fast. Exactly. Yeah. As instant as you could get. Mm-hmm. And then a fourth group being hominy. Now, hominy would be a corn that's been treated with like an alkali treatment that is starting to get more scientific than I'm going to go down. But I think so those kind would of a lie be that, yeah, the primary. Gives it a different groups. flavor, though. I'm not a huge fan of that flavor, personally. Yeah. Do you think if you, like, were in one of these fine dining restaurants, would they probably list it as hominy grits? I think so, yeah. I think they would, too. In fact... Otherwise, I think you're going to mostly see it stone ground is probably the word you're going to see. Maybe fresh milled. I don't yeah. know. They would use a word like that. For the Hominy Grill, which was a renowned restaurant in Charleston, just actually closed. just closed. Yeah. Sorry. When I think of Hominy, I think of Hominy Grill. Uh-huh. That's how renowned they are. Um, so I didn't ever make it there. But we, um, okay, so Lainey is a strong proponent of go stone, stone ground. ground or go home. I we should do a t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just think it's a totally different. Now, it takes longer. So, no shame on if you're making eggs and want some grits next to it and you don't have an hour. Completely yeah. get it. I wouldn't take an hour at 6 a.m. to make stone ground grits. But people do. People do. Not us. <laughs> um, and if you soak them overnight, 
they do cook faster, but now we're down to maybe 30, 40 minutes. Like yeah. We're not still f- super fast. So anyway, um, but yes, I think it's a totally different flavor. Well, they're more nutritious as well. Stone ground. Yeah. Are. Anything that's fresher is. Exactly. Like you're game. not sucking out the nutrients. They haven't undergone the process. Dehydration yes. process. Um, and typically grits are healthy, but as we do in the South, a lot of times we add butter and cream. We make them less nutritious by adding all of our high calorie ingredients. Yes. So, um, you mentioned that they're kind of hard to find grocery. Well, grocery store wise. Yes. So in fact, I'm making shrimp and grits for a precious neighbor that I'm going to miss so much. She's moving. and Well, she can still listen to the podcast. She can still listen from <laughs> Ohio, and I hope she will. Carolyn, I'm going to miss you. But anyhow, I'm having her for dinner because she's moving in about a week, and um, we're having shrimp and grits tonight. Nice. So I'm soaking grits as we speak I to saw cook them. later. And, um, yeah, so in, in going to purchase those... Um, it's not super easy if you don't have a fresh meal close to you um, because you have to basically go to a place that sells fresh milled grits mm-hmm. or order them online or something. Because mm-hmm. Kroger didn't have any uh, other than the quick right. or I, instant. They yeah. didn't have stone ground. Yeah. Publix did have stone ground. I think the brand is called House of Autry. I've used their okay. products before, like a hush okay. puppy mix and... Publix carries that brand, and and so they're okay. They're good. I wouldn't say they're the best, but they're. Have you good. used Bob's Red Mill? I have not. Have you seen that? That's probably a, a label you would recognize because I feel like I don't even know anything about grits. Okay, well, very little, and I recognize you recognize that. that. I might know it if I saw it, but I haven't used that one. I've used. Um, the Lodge Outlet that we've mentioned before, yes, um, they carry a brand called Palmetto Farms, yes. which you can actually order on Amazon. <laughs> That's the best selling grits on Amazon. It's maybe the only one though of Stone Ground. I don't know. Maybe it's not, but <laughs> it's definitely it on there. <laughs> um, so if you, it's a good one. I just ordered some from Anson Mills in Columbia, South Carolina, and uh-huh. I'm really excited to get those and try them. I got. Two different kinds of grits and a farro because I've had okay. farro in some salads and things at mm-hmm. nice restaurants, and I've never played with it. So yeah. I just got some so I could play with it a little bit. Um, in fact, I'll tell you after ordering it about a recipe I came across that's going to be fun to talk about okay. later. Um, but anyhow, I do have some mentions of a few places. Do you want me to go do ahead it. and do that? People need to, if, if you want to try this, I mean, yeah, you got to know where to go. You gotta go so you can get those Palmetto Farms at a lodge store, you know, lodge factory store in Pigeon Forge or um, uh, South Pittsburgh, yeah. Tennessee, maybe even other places. But um, and they also have them on Amazon. Um, there's a company called Old Mill in Pigeon Forge okay. that also has them. Um, and you know, when we stayed at that bed and breakfast in um, Cumberland Gap, yes. They were a corn mill, That's and they right. sold grits there. And I have gotten some there, and I'm not so sure it wasn't this old mill brand. Okay. It looked familiar to me. Okay. But anyway, if you're ever near a corn mill, try theirs. Try I'm theirs sure they have them, sure. and they'd be so good. Um, and again, back to our original point, they may taste different than any that you can get in your own local That's right. town. So just even fun to experiment if you like experimenting with food. Um 
Yeah, so the Anson Mills is what I'm getting ready to try that I've ordered. There's another brand called Geechee Boy Mill um, in Adisto Island, South Carolina, which is about an hour from Charleston. Okay. And Geechee, you probably know, Gullah Geechee is yes. a people group in the Charleston area. Yeah, know a lot about grits. Yes. That are... Um, Mostly from West Africa. Absolutely. So some of the best food of Charleston is influenced by this Gullah Geechee okay. people group yeah. that knows a lot about coastal food. Yes. Um, so they have, you can order from them online. There's, they're okay. not on Amazon or anything. Okay. And same for another place called Mills Farm in Athens, Georgia. Okay. Um, you can order from them directly. Same for Anson Mills. You have to order from them directly. They're not. And see, there, then again, there's probably either... So I had to pay for shipping. shipping. Like yeah. the, the grits prices were very comparable, but then I had to pay $12 to ship it. My goodness. So that's why I thought, well, I'll go ahead and get a couple of different kinds. Large quantity. Just yeah. to make it like worth the $12. See, you're not in the regular population that's going to be willing to pay $12 No, I usually That's very unusual for me. You know that. I don't I do know, that. And then later I even had a little bit of guilt and I thought, no, just... you. Like yeah. doing this. It's almost yeah. a form of my entertainment. It is. is cooking things. But um, anyway, that Mills Farm in Athens, Georgia, they're known for one called Red Mule Grits. They're okay. featured at several big name restaurants in Georgia. The okay. Red Mule Grit. Um, and it's named after the 1,250 pound mule that powers their mill. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so anyhow, I just thought that was kind of funny. That That's so great. Those have been put in fine dining restaurants in Georgia. So, well, I would guess, you know, if somebody's probably an Amazon prime shopper, go with the Palmetto Palmetto Farms, stone ground grits, try those. I have yet to tap into stone ground. I know you are a proponent of that. My first entry was not instant cooking, but the one step up, which would be quick. So it's funny that they sound so similar. Mm-hmm. Instant and quick are different. Um, the instant has been super dehydrated. But even my Southern Living recipe that Called I just quick. followed for shrimp and grits casserole, which was divine. Mm-hmm. I'm repeating that again. Mm-hmm. It called for quick cooking or regular. Okay. So um, I'm new to cooking with grits. But if it's covered in... Butter and cheese. And sometimes cream. And then you slop shrimp and all this bacon grease on top and make this nice little sauce. You can't go wrong. Anybody would love grits at that point. That's right. So would you consider yourself one that enjoys breakfast style grits and shrimp and grits or one or the other? I like both. You like both. I like them next to eggs. Okay. Um, Yeah, I'm... A fan of grits, okay. period. But I really love savory. Okay. Like just savory things. Like So how would someone savorize grits to the best of your That's a good opinion. way to even ask that question, Laura Beth. Um, I, there's many um, ways you can do this and different people have different opinions. Mm-hmm. And I even think, not to get more complicated, but it kind of matters what you're doing with the grits. Like Sean Brock, I've heard him say before... If you're cooking a dish that has a lot of onion in it, yeah, that's going to have already a lot of flavor. So maybe you soak the grits in vegetables broth, not chicken broth. Oh. Because chicken broth is going to make, 
Like if you have cook your grits, if it calls for water mm-hmm. and you use chicken broth instead, it's going to soak in a lot of that chicken flavor and really have a lot of flavor. Okay. But if you're cooking something that has onion, do you want all, like there's right. a lot happening. Maybe you just go with a vegetable, which I thought was interesting. That's I haven't done that. Yeah. Um, you don't have to worry about that because you don't cook with onion much. But I don't. Anyhow, um, that is one thing I would say is sometimes adding in chicken broth where it calls for water is going to cause it to have more flavor. Yeah. And then if you're making something that you want it really creamy, adding cream or milk yes. instead of water. Yes. Um, a lot of times your directions on the stone ground grits will kind of give you some direction and then you okay. can kind of play with it. But when you, one thing that's really important is stirring, stirring all the time. So I watched a few <laughs> YouTube videos in preparation for this. Cause I was just curious on if there was even different preparation Techniques styles and, that yeah. people, this lady, that's huge. I mean, I was almost hypnotized at how long she was stirring these grits. It was you a, have to do that. It was a that. 10 minute YouTube video. That's what I did this weekend. I watched a lady on YouTube stir Stir grits. (laughs) Well, but you know what? You can see when that starch changes in there. Yes, you can. You have to. And when you are cooking them, if you put a spoon in it and it stands up, it needs liquid. Like right, it should be creamy, not gritty. You don't want your grits gritty. Done it where it was too gritty. Yeah, but yeah, that's why you got to really watch it. Yeah, and so when you're cooking stone ground grits and you haven't soaked them or anything, it's going to take an hour. And that's not an hour of walking around doing other things. Mm-hmm. That's, that's true. You like every tend. five to seven minutes, you're at you're least stirring. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so that's a commitment. That's why it I was is. saying I wouldn't do that at 6 a.m., but it's worth it to me for the flavor. If I'm going to invest in, like, I'm, the shrimp and grits I'm making tonight, I've bought shrimp, I've bought andouille sausage. I'm not then going to put all of that on, on some, something that's yeah. flavor, yeah. you know, so I'm going <laughs> to stand there. <laughs> I'm going to stand there and stir it. Well, in 1976, South Carolina declared grits, the official state food. That's hilarious. And you had mentioned that you think, I that, think that they're considered the shrimp and grits capital of the world. That's amazing. So, well, <laughs> And there's different, I also didn't mention, but there's white grits, yellow grits, blue grits, speckled grits. Um, I've never had speckled grits. I think I've had the other three, but just even that is different. And like what you might want to do with it, Mm -hmm. you know, what kind of Mm -hmm. flavor you're wanting to pull. The yellow has more of a corn flavor to me most of the time. So do you want it to be real corny or do you want it to be, you know what I'm saying? Like what flavor are you going for? Yeah. Well, we will... In the show notes of this episode, I'm going to list a lot of the places that you mentioned okay. in case anyone's interested in buying some and trying it on their own. And then I, I mentioned the shrimp and grits casserole. I'm also going to find this one online. I only have a printed card of it, but it's pimento cheese grizzotto. Do you remember Come this? Come on with that. We went to an oh, event. we did have that. And Two Brooks Farm was there. Two Brooks Farm is... Rice grits risotto with pimento cheese. Yeah. Oh, out of Mississippi. Oh, that sounds good. And so they handed out a recipe card, and I will put this on. I have not made this, but 
it just sounds wonderful. Well, what I'm making tonight, if you want the recipe, I can give you this too. I don't want to get into overload, but it's called uh, Cajun Cajun Shrimp and Grits. Okay. It's got quite a kick to it. There's ways you can make it not have a kick if you don't use the Cajun spices and and you get like a not very spicy andouille sausage. But the way it's printed, it's pretty spicy. Okay. Well, that's good to know. But really good. So... Well, the question that the article posed that I'd like us to circle back on is, do we think that fine dining establishments should be offering grits on their menu? What's your answer for that? I say go. Absolutely. And let people see that grits, just like anything else, has a high-end, wonderful flavor, Mm -hmm. if done right. Yeah. I mean, I think it's... I like the question, but it kind of makes me laugh at the same time. Because is there any other food that you see, like, so analyzed that we're like, is this worthy is of worthy? being? That's not even a, fair, is it? Like, it's like, a grain. Why, like, do you say, like, is wheat worthy? Right. Uh, if uh, it's done right, <laughs> is pharaoh worthy? I mean, like, are we going to get right? into the history of okra and figure right. out, like, where did, what people group introduced this? And is it, you know, of an element and entitled people group that should be eating such a you know it's just funny to me so yeah sure if if it works with food that's being offered and to me it's all about flavor and high-end restaurants by goodness they should be having some really fresh really yeah local ingredients for the prices that people pay for it sure so yeah maybe that's really where it stands is you know if you're marking up a menu item is that fair to your but i say it's like any other grain but it sounds like it can get pretty darn expensive yeah yeah (laughs) if you're getting (laughs) it's no longer like just a poor man's food exactly so anyway yeah same for yeah i think that's same for any grain like it can be great or not great depending on what process it's been through yeah well i digress (laughs) um it's a fun special week here in the south it's an important one Yes, I have a funny that I don't know if I've ever said to you. Laura Beth, talk derby to me. (laughs) (laughs) That's exactly what we're going to do today. (laughs) So it is almost time for the call to post because it is almost the first weekend in May, which Which means it's the Kentucky Derby. That's right. The most exciting two minutes in sports. In sports, that's right. So this is the 145th. Kentucky Derby, which will be this Saturday, May May 4th, in Louisville, Kentucky, at the famed Churchill Downs. That's right. It's run annually since 1875. Yeah. And has only been beaten by the Mardi Gras as the oldest cultural institution in the South. Really? Boom. And continuously, every single year, year, they have had this race. So that is... Quite impressive. It is. It really is. And oh, by the way, I didn't tell you this, but you should look up pictures and maybe we should post a picture. I have um, an old picture that I love of, um, it was like from the 30s or something of the Derby, just the crowd. And it's just really fun to see all those hats and clothes from other eras and think about this has been going and holding that tradition. In the 1900s. Which we the love 20s. on this podcast. <laughs> That's right. Traditions. That's right. 
So check out some of those old photos from the Derby. It's pretty. Those are on the Kentucky Derby website. No, I found. I was on Pinterest. Okay, I, I think some. they've got some on the website because I found a timeline that oh, you can fun. look at over history, and I think they have some some photos. Now as Churchill well. Downs has a Kentucky Derby museum. Okay. That is fabulous. If you're ever in Louisville, it's definitely worth going. Okay. Even if it's not. Year round, right? You know, yeah, yeah. Race time. In fact, maybe even more if it's not race time because there's not going to be crowds. Um, but that museum is really good. And then through the museum, they also have tours of Churchill Downs. Okay. And I did want to mention they have one called the Barn and Backside Tour. Okay. That's a fun name. Fantastic. <laughs> so they take you to see literally all the barns where the horses are. No way. And I did it on the Saturday before the Derby mm-hmm. two years ago and got to see three of the horses morning routine exercise. Wow. So just a tiny piece of it, if you, you know, cause this tour takes place. I want to say we had to be there at seven thirty AM. Wow. Most of the morning exercise is over. Like yeah. we're talking early morning early, if you early. want to see any horses running because yeah. it starts getting too hot. But um, they have to take good care of themselves. Or, yeah, that's right because this is their huge investment. But if you can ever do that tour, I want to say it was fifteen additional dollars to the price of the museum, which wasn't that much. Okay, very great and worth the price. And our tour guide. He was in his like later 60s and had lived within five miles of Churchill Downs his entire life. Wow. So very knowledgeable. Um, yeah, I wonder if everyone that lives in that area is hyper on the Derby. You would have or, to at least be so touched by it. I mean, you're talking mm-hmm. about an attendance of 170,000 people. That's crazy. Um, and so even seeing video at this Kentucky Derby Museum, it's showing the grounds. And so if you... And and it's in a neighborhood that's not like fine homes and things like mm-hmm. that. So you're talking about, you know, a small home that may be charging for parking and selling barbecue in the front yard. Wow. All weekend. So, you know, it's just very much touches your life. Yeah. You're selling things in yeah. the front yard and yeah. parking cars. And yeah, we've talked about before the private airport that's you know the airport that's there for the private jets that are coming in left and right i mean so much activity it's a really interesting well day yeah it's a big deal and it's also referred to as um the run for the roses because of the large amount of roses that are draped over the winning horse i'll get into some more details on that in just a minute so sweet but um yeah i just wanted to make sure everyone knew this race is only open to three-year-old thoroughbreds right this and i would even almost one say shot they get one shot one shot and we've never had a female winner so never there almost was oh few, i do remember yeah, her that she, was a sad story yeah it was terrible so anyway i don't even want to talk too much about that well it's a distance of one and a quarter miles it typically takes right at two minutes which is why they call it the greatest two minutes of sports yeah and you know i looked it up there's only one horse that had a record or a win under two minutes was right at 159. And that had to be Secretariat. Yes. Fastest ever. 1973 Secretariat. And if you haven't seen that movie, it is fantastic. Unbelievable horse, unbelievable story, and still unbelievable record. Talk about stepping out in faith. Yeah. Diane Lane that plays the lead 
character is. It's a wonderful story for families, but it's such a wonderful story as a woman. I felt like, yeah, like I just felt like she really broke into some circles. But see, I was confused when I recently heard somebody else say something about a derby. It may have been you, but that was not in reference to the like Kentucky derby. derby or a Florida derby. Or so I only associate the word derby with the Kentucky derby. But <laughs> derby is a British term that really just means a game between local sports teams in Britain. Mm-hmm. Um, we would take okay. it to mean an annual horse race for yeah. three-year-olds, <laughs> but it's named after uh, the 12th, 12th or 1780s, the 12th Earl of Derby in okay. England. So um, it's not necessarily just the Kentucky Derby. That's sure. a Derby. Yeah. I just yeah. wanted yeah. to make sure well, other people knew that Well, and I think it's fascinating um, just as a Southern podcast to look at the there's typically 20 horses not mm-hmm. always but 20 ish horses in the race yeah and fascinating thing to look at is how many of them were born in kentucky that's crazy yes. because often it'll be 17 of the 20 or 15 yeah. of the 20 i mean by far majority yeah that's so fascinating that is and even with that it's interesting to look at um the winners and I know I'm kind of getting ahead of myself, but just like records that were broken or times triple crown winners, Mm -hmm. the way they're clustered. Mm -hmm. It's almost like that, um, kind of mental game that athletes go through. Yeah. That's one of the things I wanted to talk about later, but before we jump into that, and even looking at their parents, I mean, you see like, okay, these highly valued horses are going to breed the same. It's yeah. just fascinating. So, well, I just wanted to make mention that the whole Kentucky Derby, the whole genesis of it, started in 1872 when Meriwether Lewis Clark. I don't know if you saw this on the mm-hmm. this history is on their website. The grandson of Lewis Clark, or excuse me, the Lewis. grandson of William Clark of the famed Lewis, Lewis and Clark. Clark. Uh-huh. So the grandson travels over to Europe, and while there, Clark attended the Epsom Derby in England. It was a well-known horse race, and he, you know, it's like hanging out with this French jockey club, and he just basically caught vision for it, and he was so inspired upon his return back to the States, he determined to create a spectacle horse racing in the States, and with the help of his uncles, John and Henry Churchill, who gifted Clark the necessary land to develop a racetrack, formally organized a local group of fans he named the Louisville Jockey Club, and he raised funds to um, hold a permanent racetrack. And on May 17, 1875, the racetrack opened its gates, and the Louisville Jockey Club sponsored the very first Kentucky Derby. I think it's interesting. There were approximately 10,000 spectators then? that day. Wow. That's I'm just trying impressive. to wrap my mind around 10,000 people being gathered in 1875. Seriously. How do you do that? Seriously. That's amazing. I mean, that's... Yeah. yeah. And, you know, Winston Churchill was a big horse guy, but Churchill Downs is not, not a connect. Okay. Yeah, him. that's I interesting just, to make you know, that point, but he, too. Did, he was a horse. So, lover. how does a church... Or how, church. How does a horse get in? Um, there's 20 horses, as you said, on race day. So ish. Yeah. 20 ish. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Sometimes somebody gets sick. Not more than that though. Right. If there's less then somebody's probably had a slot and they've dropped out. Right. right. For one reason or another. Um, but these horses have traveled a long road. Yeah. Physically and mentally Mm -hmm. even. 
or um, likely been racing a lot in the months before. Yeah, yeah. There are approximately um, thirty-five race tra- racing tracks that take place that have points that are awarded, mm-hmm. and I'm not going to get into specifics here. Yeah, but it's like a point system. Yeah. So they've they've been tracking and getting their points awarded at different you get races. This many points if you win the Florida Derby. Yeah, this many. Yeah, exactly. So the winning horse is awarded a prize of $2 million, which there's so much more money happening around this race, I think, oh, around gosh. the bets yeah. and sponsorships and everything else. Yeah. That, um, that, that number does sound large, but it also seems minuscule when you think about Oh, the amount that's flying around the room. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, people, there's $1,000 mint juleps you can purchase. Oh, that's right. I mean, people are dropping money. Like, I don't even, can't wrap my mind around it. Well, I think it was funny that one of the ways, you know, I mentioned that there were 10,000 spectators there. One of the ways that the originator recruited um, patrons to come to this was he talked to some really high society women. Okay. And he used high-class women to recruit his target clientele to attend the race. And the race then became just about just as much about fashion. Which I would say is still racing. how it is today. Exactly. Wouldn't it has you? literally held that. And Did I you thought, know Queen Elizabeth attended? Did she? Uh, she's a huge horse lover. I knew lover, she was a horse fan. But she attended for the first time. I mean, I want to say it's been in the last five to, you know, time flies. It feels yeah. like it was five years ago, maybe more than that. Yeah. But she had always wanted to come and finally made it. Well, with the royal wedding that was in 2011, so that was William and Kate, mm-hmm. with the amount of TV coverage that that got, they say that the American population really caught some interest in fashion. Okay. In that type of fashion that. from seeing all that footage of everyone uh-huh. dressed so with wonderfully. With and hats, and, and which so they do for weddings there. They say that from 2011 on, really, I mean, the hats were still happening, but that that really even revamped it even okay. more for the Derby. I thought that I was kind of funny. funny. I can see that, though. And did you know William, who has some horses apparently somewhere in Leaper's Fork, I've heard. What? Here in Nashville. Yeah. Prince William? I have heard that, and I've heard him be seen in Green Hills Mall and different things. So I think he has some kind of horse connect here locally. I have not bumped into no, William. But wow. Yeah. That would be a sighting. That would be. Well, let's so talk much, about, so much talk talk about, about winners and Triple Crown. Um well, the Triple Crown is the, you know, the Kentucky Derby is the first of these three races that equal the Triple Crown. That's yes. the same horse winning Kentucky Derby, the Belmont Stakes, and the Preakness. Yes. Has not happened very often, Mm-mm. but, and, and there's controversy even around that. I think, you know, like some horses that don't run the Derby that run the Belmont, or maybe somebody's not run either of those and then runs the Preakness. Some owners don't feel like that's fair because mm-hmm. that horse has had more time to rest or whatever. But Oh, I see. Th- anyway. Oh, so it's almost like they're knocking out someone's Somebody chances. to get a triple crown. So there's controversy around all of that, but there's going to be. Haters going to hey. That's true. But what I think is so fascinating in looking at the Triple Crown winners, I'm not going to go into all the names and stuff, but first one, 1919. Yeah. To win a Triple Crown. 1930, we uh-huh. have another. 1935, 37, 41, 43, 46, 48. Not a Triple Crown. 
until 73. Yeah. Chunk of time there. Um, many reasons why trainers start learning more. You start. Yeah. And there's things that start getting learned, different mm-hmm. techniques to mm-hmm. make this happen. So in 73, Secretariat has this triple crown. Then we have one in 77 mm-hmm. and 78. Then we have a chunk of 37 years yeah. without a triple With crown. No yeah. Again, some people think, well, it's because, you know, there, for, there's various reasons why people think yeah. that might have happened. But what I think is so fascinating is in 2015, 37 years later, you get one yep. with American Pharaoh. Yep. And then in 2018, another. Justify. With Justify. Yeah. So it's just kind of interesting. Like, we've talked about this before. Almost like when a runner breaks a record that nobody thought could ever get broken, mm-hmm. and then the next year it gets broken again. Yeah. Or two years later. It's almost like that mental. Yeah. It's possible. It's possible. Yeah. 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 So let's see. One, two, three, four, five triple crown winners in your lifetime. But since three of those were in the 70s, just two in my lifetime. Yeah. And and weird that those two were in the last four years. The last four years. So. That's weird. Well, um, the last two Triple Crown winners had the same trainer, Bob Baffert. Does he have any horses? Do he you does. know? In and this I didn't upcoming. John, well, I actually might have that information. I don't have it real handy though. Um, I know he has one named Roadster. Okay. Um, I don't know if he might have more than that, but I know Roadster is one of his. Um, and there's various things on what you should look at to pick your winner. Lots of conflict on what you should look at and that kind of thing. Do you look at the trainer? Do you look at the jockey? Do you look at the recent winnings? Yeah. Lots of different things. But I did print out the um, contenders. We don't know. I mean, we're a week out, but it could change. That's true. Something can happen. But nobody will get added in, like I said. But nobody. Well, I think there's actually 25 on the leaderboard. Oh, okay. Um. As of yesterday, sure. there was 25 in the leaderboard. There's only room for 20. So if somebody falls, we've still got okay. somebody waiting. Okay. So I do have those names. I don't know that we need to go into all the names. Oh, no. But do you have any that stood out to you? But just by name alone, there's some fun ones. Um, and the number one contender right now is named Tacitus. Yeah. With 150 points. But the number two is named Omaha Beach, which holds a prize in my heart. Wow. Because that's one of the D-Day beaches, and my birthday's June 6th. So, D-Day. Um, that's right. Omaha Beach. Love the name. I think a lot of people, I'm sorry, they place bets on names. On names. I mean, I'm just looking through the list for the first time How about here. the name Improbable? Love that name. That's fun. It's a great name. Code of Honor. I was going to say Code of Honor would probably be just... At a glance, looking through this, I like the name "War of the Will." War of Will. It has a Ooh, yeah. Its father horse has got war in the name. I can't remember. Anyway, um, Country House. I kind of like that name just because I love the idea of a country house. But anyway, there's lots of great names, and I'd love to hear from people on what they're picking, who is they're picking, and why. Are you betting? Are you just even doing like a little fun, fun At with friends bet? bet? Nothing yeah. even. Um, official through the derby you know the we, we mentioned it's called the run for the roses because of the roses that are draped, draped over the, the horse there, those are 400 um roses that are sewn together 
by a local Kroger, and you can go to the Kroger the night before the Derby and watch to be, them. Okay, fin- I put they the even finishing had some touches. Kind of contest to be like to get to sew one on or something. Oh, really? I don't know if that's. I, I just remember hearing something about that. That's um, fun. Yeah. So, well, Derby parties are big too. So I yeah, did want to touch over, on that. At least yeah. all over the so south. So if the Derby is not in your reach or not even something that you have interest in going and sweating through or putting up the money (laughs) for high dollar. Yeah. Um, you can still have fun by hosting or attending a derby party. What would that Kentucky Derby, uh, site even has a lot of fun ideas and they've got plates you can buy and like programs. I think you have to order at least five. Okay. Programs and that's ten dollars each and plus okay. shipping or something. But yeah. you know, there's things you can order and there's official glasses every year that have the winners. Oh, that's um, cool. Different things like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So there's lots of fun things you can have for your party. Right. If you wanted to be super official, you would follow that Woodford Reserve is the official bourbon of the, of the Kentucky, Kentucky Derby. And um in fact, this is their mint julep recipe that Woodford I made Reserves. today. I didn't use Woodford Reserve. I used the old Bard ta- Bardstown that I just yeah, bought. Yeah, you did. Um, at Willet. But it is uh, two ounces of bourbon, half an ounce of simple syrup, three fresh mint leaves, and crushed ice. So that's all. Like, if, you're, if you've never this had a tasty. mint julep, it is very bourbon-y, though. Yeah. Like, don't think you're getting something with creme de menthe in it. No, it's not. Or, like, yeah. with a touch of a... It's bourbon with... Yeah. A little sweetener in it. It is. That's it. It's good. I This might be the first mint julep I've ever had, though. That's so funny. I've hosted many times where we watched the Derby, but I usually make my bourbon slush for Which that. Which is so wonderful. Instead. So, anyway. Well, cheers to the, cheers cheers to to the, the Kentucky julep. Derby. If you were having um, people over food-wise, what do you think is fun to serve up? Well, two staples that I usually try to make. There is such a thing as the derby pie, mm-hmm. and it's a wonderful um, chocolate, chocolate and pecan with some bourbon in it pie. Yeah. So I can give you my recipe. That, That's a good um, one. You've, I've had your derby pie. Came it's wonderful. From Patricia, a Louisville resident, she nice. gave me her derby pie recipe, so I can okay. I can put that up if you like. Um, though I have it just written out, I'm not sure we can I love find it. it. But anyhow, <laughs> the war of electronic versus that's right handwritten, handwritten recipes. recipes. Actually, I think this one might have come via email, but still, yes, yeah. it's a personal one. Um, and I also love these. I've made them for you many times. The Kentucky hot brown slider. Yes, I really like that. We took those to Keeneland. Yeah, so it's it's good tailgate finger the, food. Kentucky hot brown sandwich. So it has turkey and bacon and yeah, you know, it's, it's really good. Um, I have a few new recipes I may try. Okay. I forgot your husband's going to be out of town. So one yeah. I pulled was for him. Um, he's a lover of popcorn and I found a bacon bourbon caramel popcorn. Yum. So derby or no derby, we may have to that try this. wonderful. Philip, get ready. We'll have to make that. Um, I thought this was hilarious. I told you I had ordered some farro. Yeah. Well, I found a recipe from the um, chef at Churchill Downs that's called American Farro Salad, like F-A-R-R-O. A play on the previous two, um, two Triple Crown winners ago. Yeah. So it's a salad that just has um, tomato, cucumber, basil, 
like kind of a fresh salad and some of these things are heavy. So I thought, Ooh, that sounds like a nice fresh summer salad. Um, and then another thing I found on the Woodford reserve, it's a Woodford reserve recipe is barrel head brie where they bake brie. Come on. A little bit of of their bourbon, apricots, raisins, cranberries, dried cherries, hazelnuts on it. Yum. Does that not sound like glory? It does. So anyway, that's just a few ideas. But the Kentucky Derby site has cheese, cheese, and bourbon. Cheese, cheese, and bourbon. That sounds good. For that, maybe have some grits. Really? (laughs) We've got me because we've talked about them. Well, it's a fun themed party. I think it works because it's sports, so you can grab the guys. But it's highly fashion driven with the big hats. Right. So even if you're not into sports. If you're a true girly girl and you just like being fashionable and stylish, you can come to a sporting party. And can I say shout out to the dudes in their clothing, too? That's true. While I'm not a fan of, like, some of the um, over the top, like, I have a friend whose husband has a jacket of horses running all over it. But it's hilarious. Oh, my gosh. That reminds me of this gown I saw that someone had on Instagram, a yellow Evening gown with a train. Okay. Had horse brown horses all the way down no. the train. It was but it was hilarious. Be- it was, no, it was beautiful. Okay. It beautiful? was okay. It looked like hand painted. It sounds hilarious, but okay. it looked hand painted on there. It was beautiful. That's obviously so fun. limited um, occasions that you could wear something Absolutely. like that too. But I love seeing guys dressed up in their spring suits that are yeah. you know, seersucker or these light summery fabrics. Yes. Gingham All shirts. sorts of pastels. I love that. Yeah. So anyway, the, the fashion goes further than just the ladies. It's yeah. For all to participate. Well, lots of derby parties I find are fundraisers and they're yeah. high ticket yeah. events. So if you can't afford one of those, host your own. Yeah. We're going to be watching it together, enjoying some Snacks all the items and- we've mentioned <laughs> today. And um, it is. It's just such a wonderful Southern tradition. Yeah. So, long you, time tradition. And, hey, even if you can't make it to a party or don't know of any that are happening near you, take the two minutes to watch. On NBC. The, the race. In. What a small commitment to make to see such a Southern tradition. And there are lots of celebrities as well. Oh, yeah. That show up. So, if you get to watch even the coverage beforehand, which we... Oftentimes do, and one you'll of my get favorite to see things them. in that pre-coverage more than the red carpet is I love when they start telling the stories of these horses. Yes, and you know, just overcomers. Some of these overcoming stories. If that doesn't encourage you, I yeah. don't know what will. Because yeah. that's my favorite. That's I enjoy that more than the red carpet part. Yeah, of just hearing about these horses. In fact, I um, saw. I love watching or following. Kentucky Derby and seeing some of these different horses. They've been showing a few of the horses um, that are arriving and you see them getting off off the trailer, not off the plane, but off the trailers and different things like that. And um, anyhow, I pulled up one picture I wanted to show you of a thoroughbred that was just born. And I thought, whoa, look at the legs on this brand new young pony. Wow, so tall, all legs. All legs, and I just thought, like, that looks like a thoroughbred that will grow into those legs. Absolutely. Like, you know, the legs are just... In fact, when I did a tour of Churchill Downs, they told us that those thoroughbreds can go from zero to 40 miles an hour in four strides. 
My goodness. So just to see the power of this animal and the musculature of these animals is quite It makes you understand the term horsepower. Yeah. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Right? That's right. Oh, my goodness. So the equine world is pretty fascinating. It is. Well, hope you guys have a good derby day. Yes. And um, we will be back with more Southern cultural topics next time. We Again, we've mentioned it before, but we so enjoy hearing from you all and hearing what you are enjoying and any topics that you think would make for good content here on the podcast. So, And what kind of grits you're making. Yeah, really. <laughs> all right. Well, y'all have a good week and we will see you here next time. Thanks, y'all.